I'm Christina, college student, show creator, host, producer. This is the Note History Podcast. Each week I talk about historical events that I've studied in my classes as a history major. If you're new to the show, I'm currently discussing two topics. The first is American environmental history, which episodes typically drop on Wednesdays. The second is African American history, and episodes typically drop on Fridays. You can listen and watch me draw over on our Instagram at the Note History Pod. If you're a returning listener, hello again and thanks for coming back. I really appreciate you. This is episode two in our series related to African American history. This series began immediately following the end of the American Civil War, where the Northern Union won. To summarize, slavery began in America when about 20 slaves were brought and traded into the English colonies during the 1600s. Slavery in America would lead to millions of enslaved people, most of whom were black. In episode one, we talked about African-American status technically being changed, but was largely ignored. Immediately following the end of the Civil War and into the Reconstruction era, Congress created the Freedmen's Bureau, but it was never properly funded, even though it had enormous responsibilities. In 1865, Lincoln was assassinated and the vice president Andrew Johnson made promises to the black community, but ultimately revealed his true intentions and feelings by pardoning thousands of rebel Confederates and taking back land that was designated for the newly freed. So this is where we're going to pick up on today's episode. A reminder that all of the source material is listed in the show notes. All right, let's get into it. The Reconstruction era following the Civil War lasted from 1865 to 1877. An interesting phrase that I came upon while reading source material is the phrase interracial democracy. While the founding documents of the United States implies that the language applies to everyone, in practice, it generally only applied to white men. Once slavery was abolished, the new status of the formerly enslaved was not only largely ignored but met with extreme violence. Reconstruction was barely, if at all, holding off violence in the South. I'd say it tapered off because one of the provisions of the Reconstruction era was a military presence, especially throughout the Southern states. In the spring of 1865, the U.S. Army was tasked with occupying 11 conquered Southern states and administrating Reconstruction. Reconstruction was a twofold process that included reconstructing the nation legislatively by allowing the former Confederate states to rejoin the Union, the U.S. Constitution provided no guidance on how the rebellious states should be restored, provoking heated debate as to what construction entailed. Lincoln's sudden death and the recess of Congress until December 1865 thrust the responsibility of reconstructing the nation on the shoulders 
shoulders of the fallen president's successor, Andrew Johnson. As a reminder, Johnson made a lot of promises, especially to the black community, but ultimately ended up pardoning thousands of high-ranking Confederate leaders. In the midst of all this chaos, army commanders in the South had to improvise their own occupation policy, but that was a responsibility they preferred to leave to the authorities in Washington, D.C. Eventually, Johnson issued two proclamations outlining his reconstruction policy. His actions during the war were that he remained faithful to the Union. However, after the war, he was very sympathetic to the Confederacy. The first proclamation granted amnesty to all ex-Confederates except those who fell into 14 classes, but the excluded persons could apply for a presidential pardon. The second proclamation appointed William W. Holden, the provisional governor of North Carolina. The process of reconstruction continued on its bumpy road, and during Congress's deliberations, Southern states' legislatures enacted a series of laws known collectively as Black Codes. Black Codes were aimed at the freed people. They conferred certain legal rights, but the laws also discriminated against them in such matters as mobility, vagrancy, apprenticeships, contracts, weapons ownership, criminal possession, and testifying in court. The intent of the laws was to keep the black workforce under a condition as close to slavery as the Southern legislators dared. The Civil War had technically ended, but fighting for equality was something that was going to be ongoing and still is ongoing, in my opinion. This is the push and pull that I've referenced relating to the lives of black people and their status within the country. There were so many contradictions that black people were living in a paradox. While they were technically freed from their enslavement, the reality was they were not really free. Black codes made sure that people stayed in a subordinate status and they were just barely removed from the status of slavery. The plan as Reconstruction went on was to rebuild the southern states and slowly decrease the number of soldiers that occupied the Reconstruction area. But violence was a regular occurrence and it didn't show any signs of stopping. The 30-year period following emancipation, 1889 to 1919, saw the most lynchings in American history. At the end of Reconstruction in 1877, the last of the federal troops were withdrawn from the Confederate states. Those troops were under-resourced and did little, whether they wanted to or not, to quell tensions and violence against black people and white people who aided them. The 30-year period saw 2,834 lynchings, with a majority occurring in the former Confederate South. A report compiled of data researched from the newspaper files of the Chicago Tribune, Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, and the NAACP shows that 702 whites and 2,522 blacks were victims of lynching. 11 lynching victims were white females, 50 were black females. That equates to two or three people being lynched on average every week for that 30-year period. The majority were African Americans, but people of other ethnicities were also victims, including 11 Italians that were killed in New Orleans in 1891. A podcast that does a 
deep dive into that specific instance in New Orleans is done by the great Bailey Sarian. And she does this on her podcast called Dark History. I'm going to link that study as well as Bailey Sarian's podcast episode in the show notes. White people justified lynching because of what they called a response to the raping of white women by black men, but many lynchings involved no alleged rape. In the South, they were attended as public events despite the brutality. This is where I'm going to end today's episode. I'm also going to be linking to the website for the Freedmen's Bureau. The website includes letters to the Freedmen Bureau asking for help. They talk about violence. I implore you to look into it. So be sure to check back for the next episode, which is going to be related to American environmental history. And I thank you for being with me today and taking this journey with me. And I hope to see everyone next time. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you.